Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kate, Kiwi, and BP. Hello. Hello. Hi. Today we're going to be playing Brew, designed by Stevo Torres, developed by Jonathan Gilmore of Dinosaur Island and Jeff Frazier. The artist is Jake Morrison and Andrew Thompson of Unmatched, and it is published in 2021 by Pandasaurus. The description is, bring balance back to the forest. Time is broken and shattered. <laughs> the seasons all exist at once, day and, and day and night have no real cycle. They rotate at the whim of the forest. This enchanted land has been driven into chaos, and it's up to you, the cunning mystics of the forest, to tame extraordinary woodling creatures and use your magic to bring back balance. The mechanics are area majority influence, card drafting, dice rolling, turn order progressive, variable player powers, and work place, worker placement and worker placement with dice workers. And the box art, Kate? Um it's a little bit uh, cartoony uh, with the nature scene, little mountains with uh, pine trees on them. Got a little bit of snow there and some mushrooms. That wa- wolf thing looks like a... Like a Pokemon. It looks like a Pokemon. Oh, okay. It's Japanese. It's a it's Japanese anime and it's Pokemon. Okay. Or, or you could go with budget Pokemon and say it was a Digimon. <laughs> I was going to go with like a, a fey fox. Yeah, I would say this is probably the mystic, mystic fox. Uh, would you pull us off a shelf, BP? Yeah, sure. It, it it does have that cartoony, kind of reminds me of the 1980s Smurf cartoons. And I, the description, I mean, who doesn't want to save forest elves and or forest creatures and stuff? Or bring balance. To the force? What? To the forest. Nope. Season this is from Disney again. Uh, Kate, do you want to bring balance to the forest? Uh, yes, I certainly do. Um, yeah, I like anything kind of nature themed and okay. pull it off a shelf. All right. Kiwi? Uh, yeah, I like Pokemon and it looks like Pokemon. So we're going <laughs> to see how it goes. I would pick it up based off the, the box art. It looks kind of fun and whimsical-esque. I feel like the, uh, the, the title of the game and the art mm-hmm. don't really go together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the title doesn't really go with the uh, description. So. Yeah, and now I realize all that you were talking about yep. when you introduced me to the game. Well, when I told you the name of it so that I could figure out what direction where, I yeah, go. Yeah, what new direction you would go. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like the box art, I love. Uh, the description is super fascinating with time is broken. You start with time <laughs> is broken and shattered. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pulled in. Uh, <laughs> title doesn't. Yeah, the title just like when. I heard about this. This came out at Gen Con this year or last year, 2021. Like I heard brew. I thought, oh, it must be like another like beer game or yeah, coffee Mm -hmm. game. So something like that. And then it was like when I saw it, I was like, huh? So that that kind of throws me off. But yeah, I thought I thought it was a beer game as well. Yep. And then uh, uh, mechanic wise, I I like dice of the worker placements. Dice worker has been my favorite. So how do we think it's played? Uh, Kate? So time is broken and shattered. Trying to bring back balance. <laughs> I'm trying to think about turn order progressive, what that means. Um, uh, that's just like, it's it's my turn one round, mm-hmm. and then whoever's sitting next to me, it'll be their turn next round, and then oh, whoever's sitting next to be okay. their turn, yeah. Right. 
For me, the area majority is confusing a little bit because I think if we were trying to bring back balance, it seems it seems more like it would be a cooperative thing rather than trying to compete, compete. for majority. That's a good point. The description comes off pretty cooperative, and I'm pretty sure this is not a cooperative game. Um. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe the area majority influence is uh, how far you have gotten to tame. And so it's kind of like this race to to tame the forest and bring balance. And so you want to be that person who does it first rather than, I mean, I don't think you're going to be competing with others maybe over the majority, uh, although you want to claim the spots first. So the dice are going to be the workers. So, you know, Whatever we roll, we'll probably get to put in various things to let us do some sort of action, I would suppose. Magic, yeah. So um, how do we fix time? Um, we tame extraordinary woodland creatures. <laughs> so we just have an army of woodland creatures and then we yeah. attack time and win? <laughs> yeah. All right. And variable player power. So I'm I'm supposing that the different animals we've tamed will have different powers for for bringing balance to time. Okay. Uh, what is the power of a woodchuck? Uh, chucking wood. We're all agreed then. That's how we play the game. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Well, so it says with the time, like, so we're trying to separate the seasons back out. So, so yeah, you're going to have your woodpecker just like flying, flying at that winter to drive it out. So yeah, I had yeah. a different when you just said we need to like sort the seasons back out. I was I was like picturing a spreadsheet and it's like, oh, no, no. <laughs> Leaves go here, not here. All right. Uh, the history of woodchucks brewing. Uh, so this was one of those ones that, uh, of course, Kiwi wanted to see what I would come up with when he just told me the title. Um, and as we've already discussed, uh, the title did not lend itself to fixing time and seasons in a forest, which now thinking about it, maybe that's more like, you know, brewing alchemy or something. I don't know. I'm still confused on the word brew fitting in there. But what I do know is that when I started to bring up brewing coffee, like Kate was my first response. And I said, or brewing beer. Those are my top two. And he's like, well, I'm pretty sure we've already done the history of coffee. I was like, have we? Anyway, so I brought up the history of beer, which is also very fascinating and something that I start talking about in my history classes pretty much from day one in my ancient civilization courses, because of course, just like many things, beer is as old as pretty much actually humanity. Not quite probably Paleolithic peoples, uh, but at least um, from the development of horticulture and agriculture. So some of the like earliest remains that have been uh, like scientifically, technologically dated, et cetera, uh, are back to about 7,000 BCE, which is some of the earliest Neolithic villages, um, like Kutulhuik, for instance, in Turkey. Um, we have written evidence as early as, in fact, writing was developed. And in both ancient Sumer and ancient Egypt, um, Beer beer making was uh, just as important to the maintenance of civilization and even to a certain extent part of religion. Like bread and beer was what you know people pretty much subsisted on. 
once they started um, cultivating wheat and the like. Um, and then, of course, uh, by the time you get into Neolithic Europe, you also have uh, various type of fermented uh, wheat and grain products and some of them, right, uh, including beer. Uh, fast forward, if you will, into um, the med medieval period, it, of course, becomes quite important to the economic development of both monasteries and also um, kind of women's livelihood. And I'm going to come back to women in brewing because uh, it brewing, in fact, really until like post-industrial age uh, was a part of more like the household products. And so fell under the purview of women. Um, but like some of the cool things about some of these, um, early, uh, early beers, especially in Mesopotamia, um, in Egypt. So uh, let me talk about Mesopotamia is that it was kind of more like a porridge first and they would actually drink it, uh, through a straw. So like, yeah, ancient beer is not like what you're going to think of right these days with our craft ales and like high, um, you know, alcohol content. Like it was definitely something that was much more heavy and uh, not not the beer stout, but stout as in sturdy um, because of right the, the lack of technology to clear out some of the um, the byproducts of the fermentation. So it was basically like you threw wheat and water and and yeast and stuff all in a vat. And then it right. It basically turned itself into beer and you would just basically pour that it was rarely filtered out. And so they would drink it out of a straw to help filter it. Um, yeah, <laughs> kiwis making faces. Uh, but, you know, it was therefore it brought as much nutrients and then, of course, also helped ferment the water because you didn't really want to drink some of the water all the time unless you had a nice clean source. But without filtration systems, much of the water would have had uh, different types of pest, uh, not pesticides, um, Parasites is what I'm thinking of. <laughs> no, <laughs> but parasites and different bacteria that would have uh, probably killed you. So the Epic of Gilgamesh in Mesopotamia is one of the first, uh, the first, again, like almost writing that we have and talks about, of course, in Kidu, um, Gilgamesh's BFF uh, and lover uh, was given beer to drink once he was AKA civilized. Um, but it's interesting too, because um, there was also wine. Um, there's also a wine cellar in as in a merchant in the Epic of Gilgamesh. So it's also wine was also drunk in uh, the ancient civilizations alongside beer. Uh, it wouldn't be until Rome actually that uh, wine was preferred over beer. But that's just kind of a little side note. Uh, in ancient Egypt, you have early hieroglyphs uh, dating from, again, um, as far back as almost even uh, 3000 BCE of uh, women, in fact, making and pouring beer and uh, offering it up to the gods as well. And so, again, if you think about it, um, beer, because it was part of this thing that 
everybody drank because it was so full of nutrients. It was something then that was made in the home, uh, just like with clothing and all types of other food prep that was much easier to do when you have lots of little ones right around you that are needing to be uh, fed from your own body and things like that. You would also then be charged with right taking care of a lot of the other household things that would take uh, place inside the home. And in fact, uh, when you get to the medieval period, it was oftentimes, yes, monks and monasteries made it, but then it was oftentimes in uh, town areas made by, again, women within the households. And uh, one of the uh, 15th century women Women's account that I read, uh, she wrote her story herself, or at least dictated it, uh, is Marjorie Kempf of England. And she was actually, she made a living on beer making uh, before she decided to uh, become a, a pilgrim and try to uh, give up all worldly things. So there you go. Beer as ancient as agriculture and associated with women really until the industrial period. It sounded when it was a more of a porridge sound like a, a meal. So like the early, the okay. early beginnings of like a Guinness, yeah, like having Guinness for breakfast. Really interesting is that uh, Ireland, because of the type of water and yeast they have, lends itself um, just because of the products at their disposal to making stouts and Guinness. Yes, Guinness has, what, nine of your daily required nutrients in it. I'm sorry for bringing it up and making this go longer. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we are wise mystics of the forest trying to figure out how to regain, regain control of the seasons, which we'll do by taming woodland creatures to use their magic to bring back balance. Players will gain points from brewing potions, claiming forests, releasing creatures, and ingredients collected. The player with the most points is the winner. The first player is the one who most recently brewed a cup of tea or coffee. I just brewed tea. Oh, did you? Yeah, it's right here. Ah, oh, dang it. So I was like, I <laughs> brewed tea right after lunch. I thought I had I brewed it. I brewed it to eat with my cookie. Uh, did you guys brew tea within the last... 20 minutes. 20 minutes? No. All right. Well, BP goes first. Yes. So uh, all players roll their dice at the beginning of the round and then going clockwise, players will take turns until everyone runs out of dice. Each player's turn is broken up into three steps, which can be done in any order. So you're going to take one of your dice uh, and you must place it uh, in one of the locations. So you can take any die from your pool and place it on a legal space on the village board or the forest card. The forest cards help you gather ingredients for potions or train creatures, which you can have up to maximum of three. And then once you go past that, you can release the creatures back into the wild. Uh, they also count towards controlling that forest to claim it later. And then the village board lets you take special actions that can either help you or hinder an opponent. Mm, take that. Forge, forge dice must match their symbol on a card, whereas element dice can be a wild for any forage symbol, in which case you get the ingredient and a die power, or can be used on the village board matching their symbol. Uh, so that's the thing. That's the, the one thing per turn that you have to do. So then you may brew one potion from the market. So if you have the ingredients, you can pay for one of the potions in the market and place it in your hand. Uh, energy berries act as a wild ingredient. And then the final thing that you can do during your turn, uh, you can drink one of the potions from your hand. So you can reveal a potion from your hand, resolve its power, and then tuck it face down behind your player board. 
Once all players have run out of dice, the round is over and we'll conduct the round cleanup. So players will claim their forest that they control. Uh, so you have to have more forage dice than each other player individually. And they have more forage dice than total element dice placed in the forest. So the forage dice for each player is gonna match your player color. And then the element dice are white. Uh, so that's kind of how they denote uh, the difference between the two. Uh, creatures with an end of round powers can be used. If the forest deck is empty, the game is over. If it's not empty, then all players take back their four forage dice and any two element dice. The village board is flipped to its opposite side, going from day to night or night mm. to day, and a new row of forests are revealed. The first player token is moved clockwise and the next round begins. If the forest gate is empty, uh, forest deck is what that should read. If the forest deck is empty, then the game ends. Uh, players get points for uh, the potions they've brewed. So in your hand and the ones that you've drunk in the game. That's why you keep them with you. Uh, any claimed forests, forests, released creatures. So if you've released them back into a matching forest that you've claimed, you'll get three points. Uh, and if not, you'll just get one victory point. Uh, you'll get uh, if you have any victory point tokens earned during the game, and then you'll get one point for every three ingredients and energy berries. The player with the highest final score is the winner. If there's a tie, the player with the most leftover ingredients, including berries, is the winner. And after that, the tied players share the victory. And that's how we play. I will not explain it again. More <laughs> <laughs> skirt. Well, let's brew. We just finished a game of brew to recap. Kate, the fire chipmunk, had uh, 40 brew points. Kiwi, the uh, the ox chipmunk, <laughs> lemur, had 42 brew points. BP, the other animal that was probably on fire, had 48 brew points. And I didn't have any animals. I just had potions. 53 brew points. I guess my winning strategy was go last and screw people over. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much what I did every round. Yeah, you screwed me over several times. Yeah, it seemed like denying people points was the most valuable thing to do. So I did that. And then I guess I had, I randomly got some high value forests because at the time I didn't know that was the, how you got points. So I just randomly had forests that were a lot of points, I guess. So anybody else strategy? Uh, I was trying to get forests that would then, let me put animals in it because I had a I had a guy that let me take more animals than everybody else. So, but that didn't work out because I kept getting blocked from forests. I had an animal that gave me special victory points for certain types of forests, so I was trying to get those. But yeah, I I was trying to use my I guess animals together, but that backfired. I think I misunderstood. Um, how they worked. So I thought that I could use them to make more forage tokens to get victory points, but I didn't realize the limitations for that. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, theme. Did we feel like saving a time warped forest through brewing? Um, no. Card collecting. Yeah, I felt like I was collecting cards. Kate? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The there was some kind of theme going on, but I'm not sure if it's it 
exactly matches the description. It, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I. This was a game that I'm pretty sure was built on mechanics. And then they tried to put a theme on it because it's like, hey, we have a, a four colored cards. Let's make them seasons. Oh, but why do we have all the seasons? Well, obviously, the time is broken and shattered. So that's why all the seasons <laughs> are the here at once. Like, that's what it kind of felt like to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it was the potions were just kind of odd how they fit into it as well, besides that. I guess if everything's magic, you got to have some kind of magical potions because that's how magic works. It didn't really feel like brewing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mm-mm. we've played a handful of, of potion brewing games now, and this kind of felt the least thematic, I feel like. Yeah, yeah the potions were definitely a part of it, but I it, they weren't super central. So to have brew come from potions. Yeah. 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 Having it called... Mm, magical forest might have been better but not as catchy right sure um uh non-ip related digimon or (laughs) coffee lovers (laughs) table presence bp i mean the cards were pretty cute the animal ones at least um the the i think like at the beginning some of the iconography was just a little difficult and busy especially on some of the forest cards when you had all the dice on them and then you could stack dice, and um, so that got a little busy, but um, those animals sure are cute. I guess Pokemon sure is cute. What was interesting to me is, like, the what was the center player board that had the village? The, yeah, the village. The village? Like, I only played on that the first round, and then I realized it was not a good idea to ever play there because your dice yeah. in the forest are so important. So yeah. I spent the whole time looking at the little forest cards that were sort of like tucked away on the like mm. to me like the, those are the big center part of the game and they were sort of like mm-hmm. not placed in the center of the game that, i thought that was kind of weird for table presence but otherwise i mean it's super pretty and eye-catching yeah no that's a good point i don't think i realized it at the time but i think early on i was like well these ones in the village must be important so yep. i'm gonna go for those first yep and then you didn't have any dice to put in the forest. <laughs> yeah, because it felt like worker placementy of oh, these are the you know well, only one person can go here. They must yeah. be really good. And then I was like, oh, you've just denied yourself like options on the forest cards, which are the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I have anything to add beyond what you, you guys have said. I think my one complaint about the art is it is super cute, but like most of the animals were pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Like they were it it you know how in like early Final Fantasies it was like you would fight <laughs> the blue imps and then mm-hmm. later on in the game you would fight brown imps and it yep. was the same sprite, but it was just slightly different colored. Yeah, mm-hmm. this one they just uh, set the animal on fire. Yeah, it yeah. was like, yeah, it's on fire, or it'll be a slightly different colored like marsupial panda thing and yeah mechanics kiwi um so i i mean i do like the worker placement dice Mm -hmm. uh aspect of it i think that's one of the reasons why we like dice hospital too uh because it adds like a level of complexity uh and, and puzzliness because you don't know, like you can come up with a plan, but you don't know exactly what you're going to get when you Mm -hmm. roll. Uh, And then same thing for everybody else. So it's not like, you know, Grickle or Caverna where you're fighting for the same spots and you know that you can go there no matter what. Uh, Or, you know, uh, Viticulture, which has the big worker, which lets Mm -hmm. you go to any spot that somebody else has gone to. So it's just like kind of an increased element of, of, uh, of puzzliness that I, I like about worker placement. Kate, favorite mechanic? <laughs> uh, 
know about favorite mechanic, but um, I'm trying to like not go into player interaction too much here. I think the I think the complexity of it definitely led to a lot of yeah surprises, like you were saying, like you could think you had a plan, but then yeah, one round or one turn later. It, you're screwed over by yeah, somebody else. I, I think player interaction is fair to bring into mechanics on this one because, like, I got I like the dice placement and the worker placement, and I like the idea of it being used as sort of a area control thing. Mm-hmm. But it really came down to last last player per per round because there were so many cards that could just alter the board dramatically really mm-hmm. quickly that, like, being able to go last and just swap some things out and change who controls what tile is like so powerful that i think it kind of negates a lot of the fun part of the worker placement puzzle or the dice placement puzzle Mm -hmm. yeah which is why i think they did the turn order the way it is is because that last player is so powerful you really couldn't have a spot where someone could claim first player because one no one's going to go there because you don't want to be first so by spreading that out across everybody uh, I'd have to go back and look at it, but I wonder if like, because it's always four rounds per game, I I wonder like if you're playing a three player game, someone's going to get to go first twice. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you compensate that person for having to be mm-hmm. the first player twice? If it's the problem is not just about first player, because like then the wind dice become extra powerful. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. the strongest dice in the game, because like being able to pull back into your pool Mm-hmm. means you you're probably go last so like wind dice is probably how i won the game because i had a wind die every round mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize it until like round two or three how they worked but yeah i think in terms of like the dice as worker placement like there's so much complexity too that like you also sorry going into interaction again like you couldn't really predict sometimes what somebody else was going to do because no. it's like mm-hmm. oh i know that i have a fire die but they could just scorch some spaces or they could use it on right. top in the forest plus i have all the potions which could right. be removing dice or swapping dice or doing anything to the board state that made it so unpredictable yeah mm-hmm. uh rules how is it learning the game um i feel like it did take uh at least a good full round because um you know there were some questions and again kind of the complexity because there's so many things you can do there's so many different the elements could mean different things in different places. Um, so you definitely needed, I mean, at least for strategy wise, you needed at least one playthrough. Uh, also seem to be some issues with cardboarding and things of not quite understanding. I know Kay had an issue. I think I had one that I, I think I just never played that potion. <laughs> um, yeah. I think Kiwi said he had one too, that he thought he'd read was different. Well, I just, uh, because the, the winter and fall icons look not fall winter and spring look so close. I thought I had a card that was for, I thought it said for every fall creature or sorry, spring creature that you had, you got a mixed berry at the end of the round. But then when I looked closer, it was actually winter. So for every active winter creature I had, I could, cause they're like, I don't know if you guys noticed, but like I got all the same creature in that same round. Cause I was like, oh man, I'm going to like bank energy berries at the end of this round. <laughs> and then I, I noticed I'm not going to get shit this round. <laughs> yeah, These are the wrong creatures. Yeah. It, I mean, I don't know if that was just us, but it did seem like it happened to everybody in this one. Mm-hmm. It's just something unusual. Yeah. I, I don't know if like 
maybe after one full playthrough you would get it but it seemed like there were a lot of cases like that like i don't know the a lot, most of the potions it was like does this mean i can move anybody's or just mine yeah and is this a one-time use or a lot it, of the animals yeah. i looked at were i was like yeah that one's too confusing and i moved on to the next yeah so, yeah just a little tricky with the cards uh rule book kiwi other than the frustration i had with the pdf file not going i, I thought the rule book was it was easy to find things I, I knew where i needed to go it was just computer issues that made it a long time getting to where i needed to go um but i thought the rule book was well laid out and they did a pretty good job of explaining everything um and everything was put where it needed to be to for it to be easy to find so there were a couple of things that we looked up like the scorch thing i i totally missed that uh when i was reading the rules and so that was something i did have to find but it was relatively easy um but everything else was just more of like a rehash to like make sure like, okay, yes, I understood the rule. I remembered the rule the way that I read it, I guess is the way to put it. Um, player interaction is super aggressive. <laughs> um, I think I managed to screw over every single player in the game. Mm-hmm. At the same time, like, I don't know, like I, I seriously r- would wait for my round. So it's, I don't know. Yep. No, like I, I agree. I would. I was pretty much on my phone until it was my turn. I would look at the board and see how I could best screw everybody over. Mm-hmm. And then I did it. And then I wouldn't pay attention back to my turn. So it's like interactive in that, like, I could change what you guys, I could ruin your puzzles. But I wasn't really interacting with you as players. I was just right. waiting for my turn and then screwing up the board or moving things around or doing stuff like that. So it's not my favorite kind of player action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was there was no way to like judge how long it would take to get around to your turn, because depending mm-hmm. on how much stuff happened, you'd have sometimes where it was like, I remember one where like Eric was still trying to like get his stuff settled in Tabletopia and it was already right back around him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other times it would take like a real long time to get back around to you. It just depended on like how much a player needed to like move around and read cards and, and buy, like, stuff, buy stuff, stuff and all that kind of stuff. So like there was no you couldn't guesstimate like okay it's going to be five minutes it's going to be 10 minutes before it gets back around to my turn uh which can be frustrating at one point i I thought it was like basketball where like the the beginning of each round like everybody just plays stuff and it went real quick and then like that last turn of the round like everybody spent like 10 minutes (laughs) trying to figure out exactly what they could do yeah it's like it's like every sporting event ever where the first 18 minutes of the period go by real quick and the last two minutes go forever yeah so i thought that was that's what I thought of in the middle of the game. Even the whole game was like that. Our first round was much quicker. I guess we were playing without the elements, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then by the last one. Isn't that pretty typical of worker placement in that they're not very interactive? Yeah. But so- I think the difference is this one had all that sort of take that element. Like most worker placements, they're not super interactive, but everyone is sort of doing their own puzzle. And then the interactive is based on how tight the worker placement is like is right. only one spot you can get the one thing or is it one where like you can there's always some good options out there they usually don't have a way for me to i can convert i can't come over and like remove mm-hmm. your cow so you usually don't have any kind of direct interaction like that so this was interactive not interactive yeah <laughs> is it is yeah <laughs> all right uh would you play it again kate <laughs> i think it's the first time i'm tempted to say no but 
But I probably would. <laughs> um, yeah, a I, stunning I, review I, by Kate. I know. I want to give it another try. I, I, I want to say no, but <laughs> but I'm, can't say no Um. Yeah. No. I I would give it another try because I think our criticism of the theme is is true. But like, I still thought it was a bit fun, and like, I would I would give it another go. Like, I I like the complexity, and I want to. I think I always, when I feel like I didn't understand it all, I, I want to try again so that I can mm-hmm. do better with knowing how it works. So, yeah. Okay. Kiwi? No, I'm going to go with no on this one. I uh, was frustrated the entire game. Yeah, th- I think it, was, it wasn't It was until the third round that I, I actually got a forest. And, yeah. like, the fact that someone could, like, swoop in and just remove things, cover things, add things was just, like, annoying. Like, I think... In that last round, Kate had that one forest locked up and then lost it in a in like one pass through. Um, yeah, <laughs> she yelled at me. I had two yeah. animals. <laughs> yeah, her animals needed that forest. Then she was guilting me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't. I liked the. I, I wanted to like it more. Mm-hmm. Uh, after reading the rules, I was like, I think this is something I'll get into. And then playing it, I was just I was frustrated the entire game. So I'm gonna go with no. Uh, also, no, I felt like a jerk winning. <laughs> um, it's, it's not good. Good. Yeah. Because <laughs> you were. Well, like I felt like a jerk winning and then BP screwed me over at the end. And I was like, well, if I don't win because I got screwed over, like it's just mm. like you said, it's just frustrating. And yeah, it's not the type of way I like to win games. So and I like chaos. So I like I thought I would like that element of it because it was pretty chaotic. But like, I don't know. Not in a fun way. Yeah. I just, there was just not enough, kind of like with um, where Kate was, like where my first inclination was no, but unlike uh, Kate, who's willing to give it another try, I just, (laughs) I just feel like there are just so many other good dice worker placements. There wasn't enough of the kind of puzzly aspect to really keep bringing me back to it. Um, Yeah. So there's, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We'll turn you into a critic one day, Kate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Right. Uh, that was Brew. <laughs> so if you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on, just send them our way. The email is firstturntabletop at Gmail and Twitter, Instagram. We are at firstturncast. And the podcasting camel as he's running into the summer forest. He's actually, he's got a little... Um, a little water canister on his back hump and he's putting out all those scorched fires that that fire owl was doing and um, yeah so he's he's putting he's really trying to save the forest and he says please don't forget to rate review and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers we look forward to hearing from you play more games Bring back balance to the forest by burning half of it down. Um, I want to know why I won real quick. Was it potions? Um, no, my guess would be forests. Are they real animals or? That one's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Which animal do you know that's on fire? <laughs>
A real animal with special powers. Yeah, they're real. <laughs> <laughs> they're Pokemon. Mm -hmm.